Well, good morning, Hope Church. I hope you had a good Christmas. Um, here we are standing at the end of 2020, which has been quite a year, hasn't it? And uh, we're looking forward into the year ahead with genuine hope that things might be easier and better for us as we go into this new year. I don't think anyone could have predicted what 2020 would be like. Um, I think the government, which was a new government, as you will know, with 80 majority, was all up and ready to go with great plans to uh, take us through Brexit and, where, and beyond. Well, those plans have taken quite a knock this year, but then probably all of us had plans which have taken a knock. Um, the church had plans. We all had great plans for the year ahead, and they've all been uh, knocked sideways by a minute little virus which spread throughout the whole world so quickly. Well, in these last few months, as we've come to the end of this difficult year, I found God taking me back to a particular passage in the Old Testament. I went back to it several times, and that's what I want to speak out of this morning. It's a passage in Hosea, one of the minor prophets, and I just want to read to you two uh, verses from Hosea chapter 2. So here we are. This is the passage that's on my mind and my heart for today as we think about what's been behind us and what we look forward to in the year ahead of us. So God speaking, declares the Lord. Therefore, I am now going to allure her and I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will respond as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. My text for today comes from verse 15. God says, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And I believe this little text or half a text almost, this sentence has application prophetically for us as individuals, for us as a church, and I would say perhaps for the wider church, indeed the universal church, because nearly every nation in the world has been touched by what's been going on in this last year. So to get the full impact of what I, I, I feel God is saying through this verse, um, I do need to give you a little bit of context, a bit of background to understand what Hosea is saying in, in, in his time so that we can hear what God's saying to us in our time. Now, Hosea ministered to Israel. He was a prophet to Israel in the 8th century BC. Now, probably most of us, including me, don't know a lot about the 8th century BC. But when I looked at one commentary, it had this interesting sentence about Israel at that time. This period, it says... This period was the most turbulent and trying time in the history of Israel prior to the captivity. Just hold that phrase, the most turbulent and trying time in their history before they ultimately went into captivity. Now, the people of Israel at this point were living with a constant international tension. There were some big empires growing around them. Well, Assyria was growing in power. Egypt was already powerful. And these threatened Israel, but they also were in tension with one another. So it was a very uneasy thing internationally, an uneasy time internationally. But it was also a time of un 
unparalleled upheaval and instability within the nation of Israel, the smallish nation on the, with these big superpowers around it. But it was in, unstable. And actually, in the 30 years which Hosea is uh, ministering in and sharing his prophecies in, there were six different kings of Israel. And that period was filled with intrigue and with plots and violence amongst the ruling class and these kings. Now, although we are in a very different time to Hosea, I think there are some very obvious parallels to our time, especially if we think about the last 10 or maybe 12 years. There's certainly been international turmoil. There was the financial crash 10 years or so ago. Then there was the election of President Trump and the subsequent recent election with all its turmoil. There was the China versus America sort of tensions. There was the EU Brexit thing, um, ISIS, Syrian war, the resulting tragedy, the refugees and the impact on Europe of that. And then, of course, now the COVID pandemic and again, an associated financial crisis. Now, our own country, the country we live in here in Britain, has had a turbulent and trying time. Some of it, of course, linked in the financial crash, which brought austerity. We've seen our own share of Islamic terrorism in the last 10 years. We've had the Brexit thing and now we've had the COVID pandemic and this very significant economic crisis which is the worst since the second world war we've also had a lot of elections and governments i've been around for a few years because i'm older now and i would have said i've never seen so many in my lifetime different changes of government and i just thought about it over this last 10 or 11 years we've had gordon brown we had cameron and clegg we then had Cameron on his own, then we had Theresa May one and two, and we've had Boris Johnson one and two. We've had a lot of changes of government and they have had their share of tensions and intrigue, maybe not quite as violent as in Israel where people assassinated each other, but there's been some pretty grim stuff going on and some political assassinations, if nothing else. And into all this, Hosea was concerned about the moral and social state of Israel because the nation had begun, well, for many years, had been drifting into idolatry and had begun to seriously worship the prophet Baal, who was actually the Syrian god, and he was a, a god of fertility. And, and basically, the worship of this false god was pretty grim. There was child sacrifice, there was ritual prostitution, there was... Uh, all sorts of orgies and things went on. There was bodily mutilation. There were things that were just rather gross, but actually were treated as pretty normal and pretty okay and actually quite, quite fun by people who should have known better. I feel there's some reflections of the state of our country morally and socially there. And Hosea warns of judgment, judgments that have started and are ongoing, but... And this is a very important but. The word he brings from God is that God is not really ultimately interested in punishing. What, the God, what God wants is to draw people back to himself. That's what's on his heart. He loves this nation of Israel. He loves his people. He's heartbroken that they've turned their back on him and all this mess they've got themselves into. And he is wooing them back or trying to win them back to himself into a love relationship with himself and Hosea himself experienced a very strange uh, life particularly married life which God's sort of called him into to be honest to reflect God's 
attitude to his people. So very briefly, what Hosea was told to do was to marry a woman who he loved, actually. Goma, her name was. He loved her, but she was a prostitute. That was what she'd been. And he, he brought her out of prostitution, and she stopped being a prostitute for a while. And they had some children, and then she went back to her own ways. She had many male lovers, men she went off with, and she had some of their children. And then Hosea was called by God and provoked by God to go and win her back, to get her back out of the mess she'd got herself into, and to take her and her children, some of whom were not his, and make them his own. And he did that. It was a tough call. And in Hosea 3, verse 1, God says, this is exactly what I'm doing. And I'm just going to read you that verse. Just listen to it. The Lord said to me, this is Hosea writing, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. I don't think there's anything basically wrong with raisin cakes. That's all part of some pagan worship. But basically, I hope you heard the heart of that. God said, Hosea, you're going to do that for the woman you love, even though she's turned her back on you and abused you, really. Um, and that's a picture of what I'm going to do for my people. It's a vivid Old Testament picture. I want to get this because it's telling us the heart of God. Now, we know the story of the prodigal son. In fact, at the beginning of this year, if you can remember back in January, we had a series on the prodigal son called The Homecoming, which was great. But that tells us a lot about the heart of God welcoming back the prodigal. You know the story. This story is less well known, but it's just as powerful. You could argue even slightly more so because God's saying, I'm not even waiting for her to come back. Go and get her. Go and find her because your attitude to this adulterous woman who's your wife is what I want with my people. It's my heart. This will reflect my heart to people. It's very, very powerful. So God's heart, Old and New Testament, is a heart to see us come back to himself, to love us, to bring back the prodigal, to bring back the wayward wife. Old Testament picture here. So what's this saying to us? Let's just try and sort of focus it in a bit. God's people in, in Hosea are going through a turbulent and trying time. It's a wilderness experience. That's the thing to hold. It's a wilderness experience. And God says, I want you to know I've been behind your wilderness experience. I've led you into the wilderness. I've done it to allure you, to woo you back, to entice you back to me. I've taken you through this place which is tricky and difficult and where actually distractions are not so uh, obvious, where there are not many distractions so that you can hear me and I will draw you back to myself. Now, I believe that's one of the things God's done in 2020. It's one of the things that have come through this pandemic. It has been a wilderness experience for many of us, and it continues to be, actually. And it has been, in a way, for church and nation. But I think God's saying, yeah, I've brought it on, but I led you there to woo you, to entice you back to myself. Because God often does speak in times of difficulty or deprivation when other things are stripped away and maybe other voices are, are muted so that we can hear him and the key little phrase which I've already referred to is the valley of Acor is a door of hope 
That's what God says to Israel at this time. And that is a very exciting, and I believe it's a phrase for us. Achor means trouble. The valley of Achor means the valley of trouble or the valley of reproach. But it's basically the valley of trouble. And it refers back to a place right at the beginning of Israel's history in the promised land when there was rebellion, Achan rebelled against God's ways. There was disaster as a result of that. And the valley of Achor, the valley of trouble, was where that was exposed. God's judgment was seen and uh, actually where there was also a solution, where the disaster was hit, stopped and turned round. And so God is using that for this current situation for Israel and I believe for our current situation. The valley of trouble is a door of hope. And God can do this. He does do it. He often works in times of difficulty, in times of trouble. And that's where we rekindle our our heart for God. That's where we hear him again. That's where he draws us back into intimacy with himself. It becomes then, in that context, the place of hope. I just really want you to get this about God. So I'm I'm actually going to push it home a little more. If you look in your Bibles at verse 13... uh, Uh, Maybe just read the few verses there at your own leisure. But I just want you to get this. It's God speaking. And he says to Israel, he says to his people, you went after other lovers. But he uses the feminine, you know, she. That's how he refers to the nation, quite rightly. But, But me, she forgot, declares the Lord. Just hold that phrase. Me, she forgot. So God says, you forgot about me. Now, this is the mighty, powerful God. What's the next line going to be? Me, she forgot. Therefore, I will forget her. Therefore, I will judge her. Therefore, I will turn my back on her. That would be quite logical, but it's not that. Me, she forgot, declares the Lord. Therefore, I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. That's a beautiful insight to God's heart. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a bit of a wilderness. But my purpose is to speak tenderly and to allure her and bring her back to myself. This is our God. This is the heart of God, the real, true, living God. It's it's unique to our Christian faith because it's a real revelation about God. God is the prodigal son. God is the husband of this adulterous woman, luring her back, loving her, even in her time of rebellion and disaster. I want to make an appeal to you this morning any of you listening if you have wandered away from God this year if you found this a difficult year for getting close to God in fact you any faith you have has grown cold maybe you've run after other lovers using that symbolically you got involved with things that you shouldn't can I say to you come back to him come back to him now because God still loves you and he will speak tenderly to you and what has been a difficult valley can be a door of hope. Don't let the troubles that you've been through become a dark pit where you get bitter and angry and blame God. Listen for his voice. Let the light of his presence shine into that dark valley. Let it become, which God wants it to be, a door of hope. He's waiting for you. He's wooing you. He's calling you back to himself. God often loves to speak to us in those valley moments and we need to be tuned in to listen to him. Probably 
we don't listen so well when things are going well, when we're charging along in the sunny uplands, as you might say. But in these dark valleys, we might be more sensitive. I hope that's true for you because God is on your case and he wants to woo you back. His goal is fruitfulness. Did you see what it says here? I will give her back her vineyards. Actually, another part of his goal is to bring a freshness and a, a simplicity to her faith. She will respond as in the days of her youth. That's what God wants. So I'm going to make you fruitful and I'm going to draw you back to your first love. It's really quite beautiful. God wants to draw her into relationship with him. This is about you. It's about me. It's about the church. It's about God's people. I don't know if you, again, look through the whole thing carefully. You'll see, uh, I don't know if you've got a Bible there with you. If you have, you can glance now. Verses 16, 19, 20. This is all part of God speaking out of this. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You'll no longer call me my master. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you and you will acknowledge the Lord. It's a beautiful, poetic. God says, as I take you through this valley of Achor to this door of hope, I'm going to remarry you, really. It's what Hosea was called to, bring you back afresh as my wife. And it's a love union. It's a, it's a relationship of love and intimacy. And it says, you will respond as in the days of your youth. And I'm, this is a, a little thing I enjoyed when I was preparing this. It says you'll respond as in the days of your youth. Now, if you look in some of your Bible margins, it's true in the NIV, the word respond could equally be translated sing. It, the Hebrew word is the same word for sing as respond. And it's basically saying you're going to sing again, as in the days of your youth. I think that's precious. Do you know, I've come to value singing after this pandemic thing, after we've been through nine months without corporate singing. I can sing a bit on my own. I do actually in my quiet time get a song put out. But it's nothing like being together and singing. That is so much better. I think I will never be critical, I hope by God's grace, not critical again of standing and singing joyfully to the Lord together. With singing, it talks about response. It talks about passion. It talks about joy and love. These are features of singing, Old Testament and New Testament, and in life, really. And God wants to restore our singing, to restore our response to him. And I believe this is a real word, not only for us as individuals, but for us as a church here, Hope Church, but also for the church of Jesus Christ, all of us who follow Jesus. This last year has been something of a wilderness experience, something of a valley of acor, a valley of trouble. We've not been able to gather together to sing and to pray together. We've not been even able to gather together, break bread together, basic things. Fellowship has been pretty stretched. We do a little bit perhaps, but it's been on and off a bit and certainly not the larger groups for fellowship. The church has been in a wilderness, but the Lord has led her out there. It, God's behind it. He knows what's going on. He wasn't surprised by it. And he has got a purpose. What is that purpose? To speak tenderly to us, to draw his church back to the joy and freedom of her youth, of her early days. And as we enter 2021, I want us to listen carefully for the voice of God to speak tenderly to us, tenderly to us individually, but as church, calling us back, I believe, to a certain simplicity, maybe simpler motives for what we do, out of love for him, and not out of duty or because we've set up a huge, great machine that we have to serve. No, 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 something of the simplicity of a love motive for what we do for him 
I believe he stripped the church back a bit, all of us. I'm not just our church, so that we can be reset in a more youthful mode. It's like getting back to our first love. I would want to see a, a simpler, a more authentic approach to worship than we, we talking generally, not necessarily about Hope Church, talking generally, we might have drifted into as churches right across the nation and the nations. I think God says, I'm calling you back to that simplicity where you just pour your heart out to me, where you're open to the Holy Spirit, where there's a perhaps less of a, a performance element to what you're doing. It's calling us back to, I think, simpler preaching. I think that doesn't mean simple ideas. I think it needs to be profound and biblical and maybe a bit shorter. We've learned things. But I think there is a simplicity of truth that must be declared, calling us back to enjoying meeting together again to enjoying being together, having fellowship, small or large groups, hanging out together. Call us back to taking, and I do believe this, more time over the bread and wine together. Think now we've not been able to have it. We've had to do little funny things in our own home on a screen. We appreciate it. Maybe we've tucked it away too much at the end of a meeting. Maybe it needs to come in more to what we do. Maybe it needs to be more central to what church does or more frequent anyway. And maybe given a bit more time Call us back to be less program-driven, less project-driven, a bit simpler in that way too. And call us back to be less compromised. I think the church broadly, and I mean broadly, I'm not making any particular one church thought, has been a bit too inclined to run to the world's agenda in recent years and try and please the world by using the same language and the same thing. No, no, we have a distinctly different message. We need to get back to the core of the gospel and be bold and brave in speaking about it and proclaiming it and demonstrating it. We need to relearn some things we might have ne neglected. I think essentially a simplicity and a love for our Lord. And I believe God will restore our vineyards. There'll be fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is coming, but we have got to learn the lessons of the wilderness. For Israel, the valley of trouble became an opportunity for a fresh relationship with God and a fresh start. A door, therefore, of hope. And I think it's the same for us. I believe 2020 was something of a valley of Acor. And God is turning it into a door of hope. Now, I think it won't all stop. The Acor bit, the trouble bit, is not all going to stop on the 1st of January. I think we might be many months before we are uh, back into anything like normality. But I, I want you to notice this. The valley of Acor is the door of hope. It's not like just light at the end of the tunnel. The light begins in the valley. And remember, as I close, an important principle about God and his restoration. God always, always restores bountifully. Always. When, you, when God restores, it's bountiful. Where sin abounds, grace superabounds. The prodigal son came back and he'd have been happy to be made a hired servant. But he's treated as a favoured son. He's given the ring and the robe and a feast, and he's honoured, so much so that the older brother gets, gets envious and grumpy. The unfaithful wife we've been seeing, who has gone off and had other men's children, is not only brought back, he's, she's loved, and she's told, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness, in justice, in love and compassion. You're going to be my first love says the Lord, and said Hosea, because God told him to, and he felt it. He was demonstrating God's heart. And for all of us in the gospel, condemned sinners are not only forgiven, 
we are made righteous and we are made children of God. What lavish grace. This is our God. This is our gospel. This is the message we take into the year ahead. May God richly bless you in 2021.